You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What is up, Goat Flippers? It's your host, Lurk. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Hey, are you a basketball fan? Well, the Milwaukee Bucks just won their championship. I bet they feel great. Almost as great as we feel launching the mobile-friendly version of Lamgoat. So make sure you're going to lamgoat.com as much as you can because now it is mobile-friendly and we've adapted into the 21st century of mobile, wireless, cellular data consumption. I mean, you have to give Webmaster credit. It's taken like 10 plus years to code, you know? I mean, we just got to give credit when credit's due. And speaking of the new website, I am still currently working on getting the podcast page up and running. And when it is running and up and all that good stuff, it is going to be so sweet. You'll be able to have the video, the audio, and all the episodes listed there just on the website. And you'll be able to listen to everything right then and there on the website. Mm, Just makes me feel so so warm and fuzzy inside. Speaking of which, you already know to go to lambgoat.com, so make sure you go to lambgoat.com for everything hardcore and metal and everything in between. Make sure you follow Lambgoat on social media. Go ahead and give us a like on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at lambgoat. And while you're searching everything else, get your grubby little fingers to type in youtube.com slash music or whatever, or search lambgoat on YouTube, and you can find all of these podcasts in video format, plus other lambgoat bonus content that we like to get together and throw up sometimes make sure you hit that subscribe button and that notification bell so you're notified every time we upload a new episode or content if you want to follow me lurk the host of the show you can find me on twitter and instagram at lurk city that's l-u-r-k-c-i-t-y if you dig the content we're doing here on the fan flip and you think we are the best damn metal show on the internet like i do personally make sure you follow or subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on if you can give us a rating please do so if you give us a top rating that'd be extra helpful if you want to leave a review you can go ahead and do so share us with your friends it helps us in every possible way with the podcast algorithm and our reach so we greatly appreciate it if you do those things also i want to go ahead and give ourselves a pat on the back we've been very consistent this entire year pumping out content every week for you we also have content lined up for the next couple months already set and done for the podcast and we plan on doing more we may have to even release two episodes or more a week because we're just getting buried by them but also with that being said there's going to be a lot more cool stuff going on going forward with the podcast and lamb goat because now we're mobile friendly so expect all types of content video audio and fun stuff in between to be thrusted down your throats for the next coming months and you'll like it you little dirty dogs with that being said let's go ahead and get into the show this week's guest is mike from the devil wears product oh yeah what's this i feel this Oh yeah, this is the stuff. Oh no. Oh no, no, no. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. Welcome to the Lamb Goat Van Flip Podcast. We are doing attempt number two since we have some internet connections just briefly when we just started the last time. However, I am joined today with Mike Horanica, singer for the band Devil Wears Prada, but also author and entrepreneur and other all-around cool guys. So welcome to the show, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, man. Sorry for 
technical issues. That's, that's that's podcasting, I guess. That is podcasting. But you know, I think it could have been half my end, and you know, I know you're sitting in a lot somewhere just on your cell phone. But it could have also been me. So who knows? We'll just never. We'll never actually know. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but the group Devil's the Devil Wears product, the band, not the book or movie, just released. Uh, you know, late last month. What your? It's not a studio album. It's an EP. Zombie 2, which has been getting all the praise lately. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you kindly. We're, uh, we're very excited. It's been in the works for a long while with the pandemic. It, we took our time rolling it out. Um, but yeah, it's out there now and we're stoked. Yeah. And um, like I said, it's been getting a whirlwind of attention. I have some of your accolades pulled up from the first week of uh, the album being out. It was the number one hard music uh current hard music album number one independent current album the number four rock current i'm sorry current rock album uh number five internet album and then uh you had a couple other number six on the lp vinyl albums and that's uh, i'm assuming that's physical copies correct that is correct yeah people yeah. uh fans dig the vinyl uh and then eight top current album number nine billboard top album number 15 on the on the digital albums do you guys know where you placed already um, in the grand scheme of like the Billboard 200? Do you know what position you were in or is that not thrown in there because it's an EP? I have no idea. I know <laughs> I know that the first one charted and I've seen the graphic of all the lovely um, rankings, if that's the correct terminology, <laughs> since, uh, since this thing dropped. We're just very excited and it, it feels like a good time in terms of momentum and energy and in the product camp. So I don't know, I'm might not be the best person to ask that question, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of nice numbers. There's no doubt there. Yeah. We'll just go ahead with the, you're not the kind of guy that cares about those sound scan numbers. So wherever you fall, you fall, correct? Exactly. Yeah. We'll just go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> so the big, like the biggest difference, I mean, I don't want to, harp too much on the ep but obviously it's brand new so let's go in and get into it but the biggest difference i guess uh for, for me and maybe some of your fan base that has been around for a couple of years it's a little bit heavier this time around uh and i think a lot of the fans really really enjoyed that i don't necessarily know if it's you guys going back towards your early early roots or if it's just something that you kind of played with on this little ep do you plan on kind of maintaining that kind of heaviness and maybe into the next release? Um, yeah, I, I think at least from where I'm sitting at, I kind of feel like we just need to do a better job kind of separating what's heavy and what's not heavy and what we consider more like rock oriented, um, like that side of our band. Um, I'm not sure how that kind of looks. I, I We are writing already again now and, and, and grind in a way. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes now um, with, with so many folks excited about the EP, but I don't know. The, the songwriting is in a completely different world than the first one in terms of like Chris, one of the original members wrote pretty much everything musically for the first one. And then, uh, you know, John and Kyle wrote this one musically on that side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's a follow up in a way, but I it, they're not two competing characters. Is the way I kind of see it. You know, I we just kind of looked at this and said like, how 
what what does heavy heavy for Prada look like in 2020 2021 nice and um it is the second zombie number two you have zombie number one is an, a previously previously released ep as well um is there like a correlation between the two whether it be lyrically or storylines or anything like that or, or do you just like the name because they're i don't know you just like the name uh no um there was there was a character that i created in the first one i thought about bringing back for the second one but it kind of felt like that would have been uh i don't know if desperate's the word but it didn't feel right so you know i i just wanted to kind of create some separation as far as going on about a zombie apocalypse and a little bit of a different way and, and try not to just rehash the same components i did 10 11 years ago cool well, that's cool. It's cool that, you know, also that you do have these kind of like weird characters and storylines within the music because you find a lot of bands do do that. And it's kind of like, you know, interesting because also I guess that can branch out into other things like, you know, other forms of content slash medium for the band to use as well. Like you could have like a like a book or a comic book or a graphic novel that accompanies, you know, the music with it. Do you ever think about doing something like that or? The doing in that we did a comic book on the first EP, um, and we we actually had a really awesome comic book we put together for our second EP, the Space EP, mm-hmm. and the label never did anything with it. So it's been sitting on the back burner, and it's like a very uh, a sore spot for us <laughs> um, as far as like all the work we put into that, and it just never saw the light of day. So with that that you know there was certainly an idea as far as um uh doing another comic book but um i don't know we we were definitely really soaked up with doing the live stream we did with it that's cool and uh you guys released the act a couple years ago as well uh so you guys have kind of been on like a, a small not a small but an upward trajectory it feels like in the last handful of years even though your band has been around and not saying that you weren't a big band, obviously in the beginning, because you guys, this is your first band and you got signed in this band and you kind of been doing this for the entire time, like what, 16 years or something. So like, what do you, what do you think helped like the second wind of, of Prada in the last couple of years here? And what does it take to maintain something like that? You know what I mean? Like for, for the, people that are in bands and music in general, like what else would they need to maybe do to kind of have the same kind of trajectory? I think, you know, there is like analytically speaking, you know, you can look at basically like what the numbers say as far as when the band peaked. Um, And, you know, it's not something that I think any artist really is going to want to dig too far into because as, as an artist, you know, I, and just as an individual, generally, I maintain a very real sense of non-complacency as far as always, you know, a better song to be written or a better idea to be born. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that, you know, people have called the first zombie EP a cult classic, which feels a little hokey, but, um, I think that over the course of these years, you know, people's taste develops. And um, I think a lot of people found us in their earlier years and might 
you know, your pace does progress and whatnot, you might tune out of a band. Um, yeah, Z2, is, it was just fun to make, and it was fun to try to hash out and, and bring those listeners back and, and kind of say, like, hey, we're, we're still here, we're still doing this. Um, and I, I feel like coming out of my mouth, that feels like it's, it's like super desperate or something, but um, I don't know. It, it was just like we got called off a tour with the pandemic. Um, it was around 10 years of zombie, and we were like, well... <laughs> Uh, like let's do some songs and then when and do like a, a seven inch and then when the pandemic lengthened we just wanted to do more and, and create more of a project out of it and um in terms of like on the label side of things and all the non-exciting business side of things you know in terms of um as to your question um it's definitely done more than than we could ex- expect or what we had anticipated and um you know, I, in terms of like an artist's seeing longevity and whatnot, also to your question, I also just think it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I don't like the word success. It feels so arrogant to say like, I'm successful. Like, but, so with that, I, I mean, I've just been doing this band for half my life and uh, just grinding and, you know, there are good days, bad days, like with anything, but um, things have been exciting with, generating more momentum as of late with the new EP. And um, I know that, you know, we of course were involved in more than one gimmick as a very young band <laughs> and warped tour years and whatnot. But um, again, half my life has passed since then. Right. And uh, there's still something important to me to playing in this band. So I think that's kind of thin the herd or kind of weeded out some of the the lesser of the, those warped bands, you know, back in the day that kind of like just found themselves on main stage one day. And then the next thing they know, they're like, Oh, we, we only had one trick not to say that they would be so aware, but um, that's something that prod has always tried to avoid and always tried to maintain a, a love, um, a heightened level of musicianship versus what you might see around the, the metalcore world. Mm. Well, your cover is definitely still a banger. Uh, I know it came out many, many years ago, and <laughs> you know I know a lot of people still jam it. So you know, don't look so down or so hard on yourself about that. You know, uh, bands do cover songs all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it uh, it's defined us much more than any of us would have liked. Well, especially you know Jeremy and I as being the two original members um, playing in the band now, but. Um, know if people like it you know like like it stream it whatever but we're not going to play it live (laughs) yeah well there you go now you've heard it you're not going to hear it live or anything like that but you know a lot of bands do unfortunately hate their cover songs over time because again it is something that draws in you know a broader audience kind of so to speak and uh you know it is what it is it's a it's a love and a hate thing i'm sure for a lot of musicians out there um but anyway uh, you got you got some uh, your your hands are in the artwork. You do some of the uh, you don't do the artwork for your band or anything like that, like merch designs or album cover artwork. But I know that you like to have your hands in it. So I would like to kind of go through like what was your idea for the cover of this um, this EP, the last uh, the Zombie Two EP. Like, what was your thought process and goal in this cover art? So the all the photography 
photography for the EP is done by one of my very, very dear friends, Anthony Barlich. He's been shooting the band now for quite a long while. Um, Anthony and I work together on uh, a, a hockey brand as well. But um, basically, the first EP was kind of just throwing Adam L. Macias out in the wild, who did the, those photos, and, you know, refining what he brought back. And I just wanted to do the same thing with, with Anthony. It's, it's a sort of double-edged sword, I think, for a lot of people, including myself, as far as, like, what the pandemic has done as far as like it's some days you know you feel like it takes 10 years to get through because it's so slow and then other days you know there's not enough seconds in the day to actually get anything done um so with that i i was pretty hands-off as to what um anthony did photo wise and then layout wise with micah micah's another dear friend who um him and I run a coffee company together. So just uh, things I like to do, you know, outside of the band, but also using um, wonderful friends of mine and their talents to, to bring into Prada world. And that's just something that's kind of developed. Um, I guess the first one would have been with Roots Above quite a while ago, as far as the art direction there and the painting done by uh, Dan Seagrave. Mm-hmm. Um who then did Dead Throne, our fourth record. And then most recently I brought back to do The Act, um, which is the newest full length from Prada. So um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's exciting for me. It's, it's, it's still like this kind of youthful vigor I get, the same as like being a local band or something and you have like a batch of t-shirts printed and you're like, oh my God, like, you know, I, I saw it on a screen and now I'm holding it and someone just spent, 20 bucks for that shirt and whatnot. Like I still, there's something in me that gets real excitement out of that and heading the, the visual side of Prada when it comes to album artwork is something that um, brings me great fulfillment and something that I've, I've loved um, sort of handling over, over the years. That's cool. What was the idea behind the acts uh, artwork? Because that seems like a more, um, I don't want to say, serious piece of art but you know it definitely feels more put together yeah i so i wanted to go back to dan seagrave just because i um i don't know just some of the the stuff i was seeing online and like feeling inspired by mm-hmm. um and i also wanted something that was drastically more severe than what the musical content is like something that like almost the same as like transit blues. The record before that is highly, highly minimal when we're not by any means a very minimal band. Um, This time around, I wanted something that was so drastic and severe, even though the act is our most rock inclined record and probably the least, I think a lot of people say like least heavy. Um, So I wanted something to, to create contrast there and there's a very real notion of hell throughout the act um in my struggles as a former christian and heaven hell and approaching that subject within or on some of the songs within the act so i went to seagrave again and we wanted to develop something that was like the a sort of take on dante's Mm -hmm. um in like the the lower rings of hell is what uh, Seagrave and I wanted to do there. And he's insanely good. 
Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'll correct him for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you kind of a lot, uh, touched ba- touched a little bit on the former Christian situation, um, and that was something I kind of wanted to bring up later. But since we you mentioned it now, uh, it, I find that when I do this kind of podcast, I've talked to a lot of individuals that have grown up uh, in that kind of situation. I myself did as well, but I'm no longer a practicing uh, you know person that goes to church or anything like that. I have my own spiritual views of the world and whatnot. But um, what kind of made you decide to kind of like not give that up, but just change your view. Was it, you know, music, was it traveling because of music or just, you know, you just weren't getting answers to questions you might've had. Uh, my, my easy joke is that I say Donald Trump stole my faith from me. Mm. Um, (laughs) outside of just the present circumstances and through a government lens, um, it was also a lot of travel and seeing a lot of the, a lot more of the world. Um, probably one of the things I hate most about the pandemic, if not the thing I hate most is not traveling internationally and seeing other places and other cultures and societies. Um, and a big part of that was of kind of realizing that Christianity almost feels more like, patriotism or like Mm. nationalism or Americanism, if you'd want to call it that, than an actual faith, according to what I accepted from biblical teachings. Um, So I don't know. I I don't know what the categorization I would call myself these days. Sometimes I say I'm a Christian that doesn't believe in God or I believe in God, but no longer as a Christian. Um, I know that, it's a, it's a definitive matter that I don't, I'm not so definitive with anymore. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah. Well, and you, of course you get older and you know, you get more mature and more, you, you see more, you do more, you, you have more experiences and those, those things can change views in general. And uh, you know, like we've all, we all have our path, so to speak. So like, you know, it comes and goes for us in different times, but it's interesting uh, cause you, you kind of had the same, around about the same uh, situation happened with you as like JB from August Burns Red. You know, he said like traveling the world really kind of opened his eyes and yada, yada, yada. So, but that was interesting, you know? Yeah. I, I think that, I don't know when I first became so lucky as to be able to travel playing music, um, I quickly realized or gained a lot of perspective as to, the sort of narrow mindedness of, of American ideals due to a lack of travel. And it's something that I see, I seek and I I see such importance in. Um, So it doesn't come as a surprise to know that, you know, it, it, um, it molds and bends and, and changes more people than, you know, just myself. Right. Of course. And, um, Speaking of travel, you you kind of seem like uh, a guy who loves to travel, but also you don't seem like the kind of guy that likes to stay uh, in one area for too long. You you've moved around quite a bit, and most recently, I think you live in uh, Wisconsin or Minnesota, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's I live in Milwaukee. What brought you to to Milwaukee? Because weren't you living? You were in Pittsburgh, right? And then you. Moved to, or you were born in Pittsburgh, moved to Ohio, and then spent some time in Chicago or something, right? Yes. So I was born in Pittsburgh. I mostly grew up in Ohio. Um, 
my first apartment was in Cincinnati, though I grew up outside Dayton. And then I moved to Chicago and lived there nearly nine years. Um, at which point I decided I wanted to slow things down and have a, uh, a different pace to my life. But at the same time, I love Chicago. So I live, um, I'm actually between places at the moment, um, which has been hectic, but, um, I, uh, when there's not a pandemic, I'm down in Chicago, usually about once a week, maybe, you know, two to three times a month. Um, so I get to enjoy all the, the, the cultural kind of pluses of music in Chicago and, you know, shows coming around more down there than up yeah. here, but at the same time, be able to slow things down. And, um, the way I kind of describe it is that in Chicago, the city dictates your pace and here I can dictate my own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's been awesome. I, I know a lot of people are like, why would you ever move to Wisconsin? Even a lot of people that have grew up here, but, um, it's, a, it's a real gem to me and it really speaks to me and, um, the people as well around Milwaukee, um, just kind of like salt of the earth vibes. Um, I mean, Germanic, which again, someone that loves to travel and loves being around Germany, it's got that kind of like peppered in, which is exciting and cool. Um, but yeah, I, I was, uh, I was Chicago about nine years and I'm coming up on about four years in Milwaukee. That's cool. And, uh, Obviously, the band wasn't all in Chicago either. So, you guys live? Do you guys live in separate parts of the country? And how does that work as far as like, you know, working together to write an album or to plan, you know, what's going on with the band? Because I know the band is kind of like a somewhat democracy, even though you and Jeremy are the longest running members of the group. Yeah. Um, so, for a good portion there, Jeremy, Andy, and I all lived in Chicago. Um, and then our drummer and guitar player were both out West, West coast. And then John, who's been now playing keyboards with the band for nine years and produces the band and is a songwriter with the band and just has truly become like the, the foundation of our band in so many different ways. Um, he's always been Kansas City. Um, and then when Kyle, Kyle was Michigan, but wanted to leave for a while. And he ended up going to Kansas City, too. So and then Jeremy wanted to get out of Chicago and go south. So he's in Charlotte. Um, Mason, who's now playing bass in the band, is now in Kansas City. And then Giuseppe, who plays drums in the band, is Pittsburgh. So we are completely scattered. Yeah. Um, it's uh really like John is the manipulator morpher and like mastermind to us creating, um, and writing songs. And he's the filter that everything goes through. Um, and him, him and Kyle, they actually lived together for most of the pandemic before Kyle got a house. Um, but you know, that just made things very easy and they can bounce stuff out to me. Um, I am in, I'm horribly inept when it comes to computers. Certainly that means recording vocals. Um, so John and I basically send lyrics back and forth to put things in a good enough place until I am in person and we can actually demo out, um, what the vocals are doing. Um, but really I don't think it'd be a whole lot different if we all like lived in the same place, like, 
I guess it could maybe inform a little more jam because for a while we, we were very contingent on that. We had to get together from all over the United States and get in a room together and write jammier songs or songs that weren't so like middle of the road metalcore songs. Mm -hmm. Um, But anymore, it's like the way John is just like this director of our songs, um, sending things back and forth is is totally cool. Um, It's more stressed on him than it is for me because he has to deal with like my shit as far as, (laughs) you know, poorly executed demo ideas and whatnot. But um, (laughs) yeah, we make it work. That's cool. And um, moving up to Wisconsin, did your love for hockey have anything to do with that too? Because it stays a little colder up there. And I know you're you're missing the front tooth here. Does that have anything to do with hockey or is that a microphone incident or is that just something that happened in general? <laughs> so I, I am a huge hockey fan. Grew up loving hockey, played a little bit. But a number of years ago, I got back in a plane. I actually skated this morning. I'm all gross and sweaty. Um, actually you can see my sticks in my bag here in, in my vehicle with me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a huge hockey fan. I, I lost my tooth when I was a kid and I couldn't get a permanent one. And I had different ones that I put in one time I broke it out with a microphone, but more recently over the last like 12 or 13 years, I got a permanent implant, mm-hmm. but a puck broke it out. So Originally, I didn't lose my tooth from <laughs> hockey, but as of recently, yeah, it was it was puck puck not stick, and I keep going to different places, being like, "Hey, can you fix this?" And they're like, "No," and I'm like, <laughs> "What about like a retainer with a fake tooth on it? Did you ever have one of those, or did you all, did you want a permanent implant?" No, I've had those. Those things suck. Like yeah. the food that gets stuck <laughs> and like brushing in and whatnot. So like. I, that, that that's one positive that has kind of come from the pandemic is that people don't stare at my mouth because, you know, we're all masked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I've got another appointment coming up, I think, Wednesday or something. And this this guy is supposed to be an expert. So we'll, we'll see if I can get some answers there. But uh, um, according to my girlfriend, she doesn't even notice it anymore. So, like, if she's, you know, if she's not, like unattracted to me or like oh my god he looks like a (laughs) yeah uh, a drug addict or something like that then i'm i'm good with it i well luckily you you know you play hockey so like that's kind of like how they all look every hockey player for the most part has either all the front missing or just like one missing so it looks like regular you know what i mean yeah yeah it if someone starts talking shit out on the ice and I like start chirping back and they have like, either if they're wearing like a cage, you know, I have like a full, you know, all their fronties intact. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I got the, I got the edge there in terms of grit. You don't have, it isn't so attractive off the ice though. (laughs) I can see that. You don't have a bottom, <laughs> bottom <laughs> not to make you self-conscious or anything, Mike, but uh, you don't have a bottom half of your mask or do you, do you just have open face helmet or do you have a visor or? I, I wear a visor. So I, I didn't wear anything, but then when the pandemic shut everything down, I'm like, I should start wearing a visor and I'm going to be really bad when I start playing again. Cause I'm going to be so out of practice. 
So I was like, I'm just going to learn to play again with a visor. And by now I, I'm used to it. It is not so convenient, but you know, I'm also short. So I have that going for me, which means I, I somewhat routinely will take a stick high as far as, uh, as far as follow throughs. Um, and it is nice to have a visor for that. So, you know, just, just beer league and a bunch (laughs) of old men scooting around the ice. Yeah. No, I've definitely thought about joining back up. I used to play hockey when I was a kid, even though I am based in Florida here, I did fairly well. My family is half my, half my family is from Canada. So I am also a hockey fan as well. And, uh, I grew up playing hockey and found that I kind of excelled at it. Uh, but unfortunately being in Florida, there's not much I can do post, you know, being 18 with that. So I just kind of like let it fall to the wayside. But in the la- in the later years here, I've been thinking about, man, it'd be cool to have like a rec league or something to play with some dudes. But uh, did I always had like a full full face mask? Is, do you, is yours full now, or do you have one of those? You know, just just the eyes up. No, yeah, just the visor, just the eyes. Oh, um, man, living life dangerously. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Yeah. It uh, yeah. Are you a? It's uh, it. What's what's the phrasing like? I can't think of it. Um, who's your team though? The Lightning. They're screaming. They are screaming. Yeah, they're doing they're uh, doing really well. And I I was kind of gonna guess that you either are going to be a Penguins fan because you were born in Pittsburgh, or maybe a Columbus Ohio fan. Do they even have a team still? I don't know, but. They do blue jackets, uh, but no, I'm I'm Pittsburgh all all around. Um, but in terms of rec league, if you want to get back into it, you I let me encourage you because while it does open the door for old Injuries. men being douchebags <laughs> routinely, yeah, uh, it comes with a lot of, of fun too. So of that's course. that's how I spend a number of hours a week up here in in the good land. Yeah, no, that it, it's always seemed fun. And, you know, I had a small group of my close friends when I was a kid growing up that also played. And I mean, now we're over in our 30s and, you know, we always joke about it. But I'm like, damn, you know, like we were kind of good. Like, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say we we're the best in the entire league, even though I was like highest goal scorer for a while. But, um, you know, I'm sure it comes back a little bit like you know, just like that, but we're older and we move a lot more weirder. So it may not come as come <laughs> back as quickly, you know, I'm not, you know what I, it it's, there's a lot of old guys that play hockey, uh, you know, the time to, to get out of the house and drink beer. And, yeah. uh, I mean, if you're a top goal scorer, when I was 17, yeah. settle down, Mike. I'm, I'm way older than that now. <laughs> I'm way older, and I weigh a lot more, unfortunately, than I did back then. So I may not be moving as quick out there, you know. But, uh, well, it's good that you're also small, too. You can probably duck a lot of these checks. And are, do you? Is it full contact, or is it kind of like, you know, not, not as full contact out in that league? No, no, I don't play in any contact leagues. Um, I don't know if there are any, some, some guys will play a little more physical, but that just gives you room to chirp as far as if like, I actually just played a team on Tuesday night and then just like all hardos, like (laughs) guys, like you're not getting 
a bonus if you win tonight or you want to fucking cross check me like um I asked one guy that was playing me a little physical if his dog died and uh he didn't get back to me so I'll take the W on that one there you go yeah now do you feel like you have more of a do do the guys in the rec league know what your profession is outside of that hobby some of them um and i'll get like trip like oh he's a rock star and i'm like shut the fuck up do you think does uh, that give you like a does that make a target on you on the ice like does that do you think that it helps with like them going after you more or being more like you know verbal to you you know one a buddy of mine that i've gotten pretty close with um we were playing a game and he's a fan longtime fan of the devil wears prada and um Again, we, we ended up becoming good buddies and we, we drink some beer and we played on a team together. Um, and I think like some of our early skates, he would like just light me up because he wanted to have the satisfaction of being a better player than me right. <laughs> um, as a longtime listener of the band. But I can't really say much past that. Most people are just like, oh, I hear you playing a band. And I go, yep. <laughs> Yep. And, and they'll probably say what everyone says and they'll go, where can I find you? Like YouTube? And I'll go, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's, go ahead. That's, do, do people yep. ever like look you up and then come back and be like, yo, what the fuck? Your band has like over 200 million likes on Facebook and you got like millions of streams on Spotify and Apple. Like what the hell, bro? Yeah, sometimes. And I'll just be like, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I play in a band. <laughs> I'm sure it's awkward for a lot of people checking it out too. They probably don't assume it's going to be of this kind of caliber, depending on what album they you know, they choose to listen to or song they listen to, to check you out. It can, it can be a vast number of different things. That's true. Um, and our song chemical is, is uh, um, seeing some really positive success as of late. So um you know, it, I don't. I don't mind if that's the first song people listen to, where it's not. Um, it's a. It's a lighter vibe. Uh, it's a more rock oriented vibe, and uh, you know our band likes doing that. We like doing the all the chugs and the the Z two songs, or a song like the Thread off the Act, and we love doing songs like Chemical or Diamond Lost or Isn't It Strange. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I hope they don't click still fly, but you know, can't control everything. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't. And yeah, oh, that must be hilarious if they, if they do. And if they bring it up that, you know what, that could probably be a good slight on the ice ring, you know, so some kind of toss back to your yeah. song. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Speaking of hockey though, you also have like a, you know, as part of you being a cool guy, entrepreneur, you, you one of your things is a hockey, you have a hockey uh, company. I don't, uh, is it, you know, uh, um, clothing line or is it, do you do other kind of things in hockey or? We, uh, yeah. So during the pandemic, I just kind of being bored and restless. I kind of saw a gap in, in quality hockey apparel. It seems like a lot of hockey apparel is usually just like super jokey and like immature, um, which is great. Like hockey culture is the best culture in terms of, uh, euphemisms and just phrases and the way hockey players can be. 
but I wanted something that um, heightened quality and also expressed where the where the game is going in terms of opening up the game for more people and becoming less of a white guy sport. Yeah. Um, so we've only worked with one charity so far, but that's certainly a part of the the bones of, of Hacksaw. It's called Hacksaw Hockey Club. Um, again, the, the band's photographer, Anthony, my very dear friend, him and I do it, um, along with our designer, Luke. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. I, I do the orders, I do fulfillment, um, and, uh, just piece together stuff that I would want to buy for the most part as someone that is, is obsessed as I am about the game. Um, and also just really trying to use our voices, not to be so terribly cliche, but use our voices to try to, to pump the tires of, of women in the game and, and black people in the game and, and any minority that wants to get involved. And for a very long time, it's been just a white dude game. Yes, yes, I um, agree. And uh, yeah, it, uh, we that's a part of the ethos is, is to make sure that we can try to promote that to anyone that wants to get on the ice. Like again, cliche, but the more the merrier, I, I truly believe that in terms of like how fun it is to every component of the game in terms of speed and everything. So um, yeah, hacksaw hockey. Um, it's been fun. It's been uh, a grind as we try to get further off the ground and more product and, you know, there are dreams of more connections with, with bigger, organizations and leagues and partnering and whatnot. But um, yeah, we're just, uh, we're just some dudes that started making t-shirts and such hats and uh, jerseys. And um, we look forward to seeing where we're at in, in the coming years. That's cool. Yeah. And the, the, you brought up the inclusion aspect of it and, you know, I just want to go ahead and prop up my Tampa Bay bolts yet again. I think they were the first team in, history to have an all black line on the ice so that was kind of cool i uh i applaud those guys and it is cool that you know more people are getting into the game because i i think a lot of people like joke you know at least down here and i live in the you know more southern area of the country but they joke off about hockey and more baseball and football oriented you know in my area but the people that check hockey out obviously they either love it or hate it but most of them love it because it's so fast-paced it's way physical, obviously, and uh, you know there's a lot there's a lot going on, and you know that they don't stop the t- they don't stop the game as often as like any other sport. So it's really fun to watch if you don't watch hockey, especially uh, you should probably check it out now because the uh, playoffs are going on and it's getting kind of crazy. But yeah, it's a fun sport, man. I have one more hockey question for you. Sure. I know they're talking about maybe taking away fighting. What is your stance on that? Uh, it, it's a bit of a tale as old as time sort of conversation. I think I understand. I think the league, the league doesn't always do a great job and, you know, everyone on the internet can quickly get all bent out of shape about, Oh, this or that, or, um, they, this suspension, like that's been a lot of the, the talk lately is like, this guy suspended too long. This guy not suspended at all like this and that, um, I think the league has done a good job in terms of some of the things regarding helmets um, and limiting the players to 
to to be able to fight as safe as possible if that makes any sense yeah. it sounds silly but it's very real to fight safely mm-hmm. um it's it's a code like hockey is so dictated um i don't want to say by morale but um i can't think of the word but um you know the 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 players regulate themselves in a lot of different ways and that certainly is included in fighting. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think, I don't think the, the big dogs are about to take that away um, anytime soon. Um, it's a part of the game for certain players. And a lot of guys have to use it to be, to, you know, get a job and to be able to bring that component, that rough edge to their team. And that's, you know, how they get paid millions of dollars. But um yeah, you know, there's a lot of amazing speed and pure, pure talent for smaller guys that just light it up, and you know, that's that's a component of their game. It's almost, it's it's almost as positional as is like football in in a way, you know. Um, I don't but, mean like comparing it to that because football is so like st- there's only like four minutes of gameplay and a whole four hours of. <laughs> you know, what I mean? and I love football. I love football. Like I, you know, I have a home team here in Jacksonville Jaguars. We just got the number one draft pick, so it's about to get crazy for us here. But you know, I, I really have a problem with like you go watch a game or you watch on TV, and it's like toot toot, the whistle goes, one play, and then like you know, four minutes in between the next play, you know, and I'm like, what's you know, come on, let's get it going. That's why hockey's so good because it's so fast paced, and you know, they're flying around the ice and all this other stuff, but. You know, fighting does, I, I think the word you were thinking was momentum. It can change the momentum of a game, too. You know what I mean? Because your team may be down by a goal or two. I'm Obviously not if you're getting blown out. But I, if, if someone gets in a little scuff on the ice and your guy wins, so to speak, you know what I mean? That could really bring the morale up and make the team play a little harder. Exactly. You know, you can, there are a million different things that can happen in the game to either deflate a team or get the momentum going. Um, and one of the most prominent ways and one of the most celebrated ways in the game of hockey is for guys to punch each other. Yeah. And it's pretty dangerous. It's pretty hard to even do because, again, you're on ice. You're trying to – you got to hold this guy. You got to try to beat him with the one hand and everything. And, you know, I, the, the fight doesn't stop for those who don't – the fight doesn't stop until you hit the ice uh, – for those who don't know how fighting works in hockey, but yeah. So they try to get as much in as they can before one of them slips. Yeah. And you know, I, even earlier this season, there was a, in terms of the fighting conversation, I forget who it was a younger player probably called up and he wanted to go Marcus Foligno and the Foligno boys are big. And this player, again, you know, he's just trying to get a, a job and and with the big boys. And um, he was taking a total beating and Felino called in the officials and said, like, you know, he it's a sign of respect. You know, like he wanted to get his team pumped up. He's going to answer the call. He's getting just, you know, the shit beat out of him. And then the other player being Felino is saying, oh, all right, you, you got your fight in and. You know, it doesn't have to, he didn't have to beat him to a pulp or injure the player because everything that needed to be said in that bout was said. So, mm-hmm. again, that's that's the sort of code that exists a lot more in terms of fighting than just seeing two guys, you know, trying to punch each other in the head. Yeah. 
Um, so moving on, another hobby you kind of have is being a writer. Are you, um, do you read a lot of books? Is that how you got into writing or is it just because you were writing lyrics and, you know, maybe some other things or do you not even read at all? No, I, I read quite fervently. Um, honestly, it's, you'd think during the pandemic, you'd be reading a lot, but for me, it felt so uninspiring. I haven't been reading so much the last year and a half. Um, but no, I, it's always been a huge part of my life and, um, I always like jotted poetry and whatnot. So early, early on as a 16 year old joining the Devil Wears Prada, like for me, one of the biggest components of it was that it was, uh, a medium for my writing. Um, and it's always been very important to me and I've self-published some different projects and whatnot, but, um, yeah, I, I've always been under, under the impression that, you know, to create one album, you need to consume X amount of albums, you know, thousands of other things. And I tend to, to bring the same sort of mindset to, to literature in terms of to create or to write, even if it's something lyrical, um, you have to consume so much of, of other people's work. And, um, it's, I, I think it's also in, in, blatant terms just a an important means of education and information even fiction as i most often consume but um yes i i do love to read my follow-up to that is since you just said fiction what are some of your you know favorite writers or favorite book slash series from those writers i'm gonna write these down because i also am on a fiction kick currently as you can see i have dune and uh the dark tower right behind me so uh, I'm currently yeah. reading the, I'm currently reading The Dark Tower. Uh, I just bought Dune because that's going to be the next dumb series that we're going to spend probably a year reading because it's so freaking long. But uh, yeah, we're in we're in book three of the uh, Dark Tower. So, what's what's your favorites? Uh, my favorite novel in the world, or of of all time, or whatever, is Nausea by Jean Paul Sartre. Um, Anything I don't I, I like like that wave of French writers and um, his his wife slash mistress Simone de Beauvoir who had such an important huge role defining uh, feminism. Her fiction is really good, and I still haven't read everything from her. But um, same as like the Russian greats, um, uh, I've read Brothers Karamazov a few times from Dostoevsky and. Um, Vladimir uh, Nabokov is is probably a top five writer for me in terms of um, Lolita specifically, or Anton Chekhov is a really good introduction to Russian literature. Um, but I, I still have a long way to go. I still haven't read War and Peace or Anna Karenina. Um, uh, trying to think. I, I like to mix things up as far as like, you know, the, the really dense Russian stuff. I will then <laughs> want to read something pretty, uh, a different pace, such as like something like Hemingway. Mm-hmm. And then I've also read a ton of hockey books lately. <laughs> uh, as, it's only a matter of time I bring it back to hockey. Yeah, as you should. Um, yeah. But I, I have been going through, I don't know why I wasn't reading more hockey books prior to as of late, but um, yeah. Uh, um, oh, shoot. I forget the name of it. Vendela Vida. Um, 
I can, I don't know if I lose zoom on my phone, if I go to my notes. Um, but yeah, same. I also like to read more contemporary stuff, stuff that I try to find written recently, mm-hmm. um, as not to jade become all jaded about things. Yeah. Cause you were, you were rattling off a lot of like, you know, classic books, like, you know, Tolstoy's, uh, were not, you haven't read war and peace, but you know, Lolita and some other things, those are like, you know, they've been around for quite some time, at least for the most part. Uh, I didn't know where to start. I was reading, I just started reading like a couple, three, three years ago, as far as like leisurely, I just didn't read anything if it wasn't on the internet, on a website or on my cell phone. So I started thinking like, you know, my man, just buckle down and start reading some books. So I started with some small books and, uh, actually one of the first books that I kind of read was Keith Buckley from every time I dies watch. And that was like a crazy book. And so, uh, I am interested to find, to know what kind of stuff you write. Cause you have a couple different books. Um, what was it? Bullet made tambourine. Bullet made tambourine. Yeah. Is that the most yeah, recent Bullet one? Made tam- I'm sorry. What is that? The most recent one? Correct. Okay. Um, it sort of rides the back of a different thing I came up with called three dots in the guilt machine, which are just, um, I sort of describe it as like quick, um, I don't know, like the, these quick things that never really finish their breath in a way. Um, but, uh, poetry prose, um, I kind of just boil it together in, in those two releases being three dots and bullet made tambourine. Um, I've written, I've written some stories that I still haven't finished because I've had a hard time with procrastination. Um, but I also really got off the ground in terms of self-publishing, when I wrote a book about a Prada record and I wanted to break down lyric by lyric, the whole thing. Um, so that was like a first thing. And then I also wrote a short story based on one of the Prada songs. It's actually two. There's a song and on one record, and then there's a part two version of that same story on the next record. And then I wrote a physical short story that I published, but um, I usually keep, numbers down too and um just kind of throw them out there by you know a few hundred every now and then but um bullet made tambourines online now um and i think there are versions of three dots up as well at my website but um yeah it i kind of when it comes to like releasing these things it's almost like a record like as soon as it's mastered and done like i'm never ever gonna listen to it again yeah and I've written a few projects that I'm like, okay, it's available and for sale. Like, I don't want to think about it. Like, it's like just until you finally get over that hump and you start, you know, riding the the down slope after climbing so much. Yeah, and these are physical copy, uh, physical items too that you can buy, not just eBooks, right? Correct. I've never released any eBooks. Um, I know that's probably an easy means of revenue, but uh, I like physical. And, uh, that's how I've just always done it. Um, I certainly have no issue. It's the same as, you know, if someone wants to listen to a a vinyl record versus streaming something or whatever, it's different strokes for different folks. Like it's, it's opinion based, but Mm -hmm. for me, I've, I've always read books, books, and that's how I've released them as well. Well, I'm definitely going to make it a point to uh, check out your newest one. I like to read, you know, if I had the person on the podcast and they have a book, I 
I'll probably read it. So I'm definitely going to check out Bullet Made Tambourine, and uh, I'll get back to you with what I think on it. Not that I'm a not that I'm a reviewer or a critique in any way, shape, or form on on literature at all. But I'll get back to you on it. You can shit all over it. I won't. It will not hurt my feelings at all. I, I'll tell you the the book that Keith wrote, the Watch, was just a. It's just a strange, strange story, and like, um, not. And it's not bad in any way. It's just like I just was. I didn't know what to expect. You know what I mean? And uh, Keith is a very eclectic kind of guy in general, and you know he's pretty. He's brilliant and smart and everything like that. So it was an interesting read. So I'm interested to see what uh, you know. What you what you got up your sleeves? I appreciate that. Keith is something special. I've read both uh, Watch and Scale. Um, Watch being, I think, the more recent one. But um, yeah, I look forward to what he cooks up next as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that. No problem. And um, you do some coffee here and there, right? You like coffee. You're a coffee kind of guy. You have a coffee company. How'd you get involved with that? I got involved with that because... Anthony, who I mentioned previously regarding hacksaw and mm-hmm. photography for Prada, um, he became close with a fella that runs an amazing coffee roaster in Chicago called uh, Metric Coffee. And he connected us to make a TDWP coffee and it ended up going over really well. And we just had a, a really great time cooking it up and getting to know the process more. I've, I've liked good coffee for a while you know um and chicago is, is very much a hub for it um and then later xavier one of the owners of metric coffee came to me about basically cooking up a brand and an idea that creates collaborative coffees or whatever we wanted to do and using their means of ful- fulfillment and roasting and sourcing um so i teamed up with micah who um again also does a ton of graphic work for Prada. Like he did the layout for Z2 and him and his brother, Luke did like the Z2 logo with the two strike throughs on the, the Z. Um, but Mike has been a long time friend for a long time too. His band actually headlined quote unquote uh, Prada's first show in 2005. 2005. Yeah. 2005. Um, so Mike and Luke have been a good, good buddies of mine for a long time and we just wanted mike and i wanted to create this niche coffee brand that teams up with um different factions across the board we teamed up with the flanzer um being a record label we've teamed up with different bands being like proto martyr from detroit or ms moore being um like a one-man black metal project from uh portland um we teamed up with old blood noise endeavors which is a guitar pedal company Mm -hmm. and did a blend on one of their pedals that was really fun and uh, i'm very proud of that coffee so yeah if i get bored i get panicky (laughs) (laughs) sounds like it i think what i'm gonna do uh i don't drink coffee but you know i know like every I don't want to say every band, but a lot of bands do have like somebody in the band that either has a coffee company or the band themselves has released a coffee, you know, blend. So I think I'm going to make a website that's like coffeebybands.com or something like that. Just <laughs> offer all the coffee that, you know, listed by band, you know, that might be a good thing. Um, how, what goes into like, what goes into making a blend? Like what got you into coffee like that? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty choosy. 
across the board in terms of, you know, literature and music. And um, I like drinking beer as well. And I, I tend to take a, a similar vision to that as far as enjoying good beer and same with food and everything. Um, so with coffee, just learning more about it and in different processing methods and roasting and whatnot, like I'm still very amateur in terms of my understanding versus like, like Colin, who's roasting the coffee alongside Xavier and the whole staff at Metric Coffee. They're the true heroes and professionals. Um, but yeah, it's just fun. It's fun to cup coffee and, and write down different notes in the whole process as far as your slurping and your smelling. And then usually we'll just do like a, a pot of coffee afterwards to just sit with it in a more, I guess, ordinary kind of situation. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and if anyone ever approached me about like making a beer, I would get way too busy. Cause I'd be like, all right, I want to do that too. Like, that was just, my next question. Yeah. Where, when's the Prada beer coming out? <laughs> not soon enough. We've, we've joked about Prada pale ale for a long time. Um, but yeah, um, not to be a total snob, but it's, it's the finer things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in certain regards, I suppose. Do you drink the Prada coffee regularly? Is that like your go-to or do you have a different go-to? So the Prada coffee, we, we did like a hundred bags and a hundred mugs. And this was a while ago now too. Um, but Metric has sourced that coffee pretty religiously from this farmer that, that they have a great relationship with. Um, so I, I, I have had it post Prada coffee. Um, and they make different tweaks and process it and whatnot. You know, it's, it's a plant and a bean that, you know, it changes. Um, but, um, I don't think I've had it in a while. Um, I'm trying to think of the name. Would you be able to tell if you like were blind tested, if someone handed you a a cup of the product coffee, would you be able to tell like, Hey, this is product coffee. Probably not. In all honesty, (laughs) I'm not like a sommelier. (laughs) <laughs> there might be a different word for a coffee person, but I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's the, the product coffee was just like this nice, like it wasn't like super like tea like, and I don't like like dark roast coffee, like black, black coffee. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I don't really dig that at all. Um, so it was like this nice middle ground, but still like nice, like blueberry and, and chocolate. Um, I hate saying chocolate because all coffee tastes like chocolate, but um, it was good. It it had a lot of a lot of interesting things happening for someone that can be very choosy with coffee, or someone that's like, yeah, I'll have a cup of coffee here and there. Do you prefer decaf or caffeinated? Uh, I, I drink all caffeinated coffee, but I I do. As someone that suffers with anxiety, I don't drink coffee more than once a day usually unless i'm in the studio like if prada's recording i drink a lot of coffee but usually on my day day to day i only drink a, a cup a day so i'm not getting antsy interesting interesting and um you are you still in another band god alone is that still a, a current pro, a, an ongoing project uh no not so much uh kyle kyle plays guitar kyle and i started a band called god alone um, and then he joined the Dev Orders Prada, and now 
both of us are just very busy in that world to kind of pursue more of God alone. But mm-hmm. we've done like some basement tours um, and we released a full length. We self put out self released a EP um, years ago. Um, it's very reflective of my personal music choice and, and kind of Jesus lizard world and the workings of Steve Albini. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we haven't really done anything in, in a number of years. Interesting. Um, with someone who likes to travel a lot, um, how often would you prefer to tour? Um, cause I know like in the beginning it was like, you know, year, you would just go for the year cause you were a young buck and stuff, but you're a little older now. What's the ideal tour situation for you? And are you guys still open to like roughing it? <laughs> roughing it doesn't get easier when you get older. No, of course not. <laughs> uh, but, um, I certainly don't choose or wish to tour as much as we once did in like the early 2010s. Um, I would much prefer, you know, travel outside of work as well, but it's amazing to work and also have the benefit of traveling. Um, I don't know. We'll see, you know, I think it, it kind of goes without saying that touring's really going to pick up seeing as everyone's been starved and like suffocated of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how that looks, but, um, yeah, you know, I, they tell me where to be and I'll be there and I'll, I'll yell the songs. There you go. Do you guys have anything like planned coming up this year as far as like live shows go? We do. We have not announced it yet. Um, I imagine we'll be announcing it soon. Um, I, I just don't want to be crushed again and have it called off again. Mm-hmm. So like, I won't believe that live music is back until I'm on a stage, like regardless of preparations and everything. And um, I don't mean to be all too pessimistic seeing as, especially like in hockey world, again, I'll bring it back to hockey. You know, you're seeing full barns up in Boston and, I mean, it's been that way in Florida for a minute, but in Carolina and everything. So um, it's certainly looking up. Um, I'll say we hope to be playing shows again in September, October. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the soonest show that we have here in town, I guess, Madball in July. So uh, <laughs> I'll be interested to see how that goes. It's going to be at a smaller type venue, too. And I know Madball just played to like three to four thousand people up in New York a couple months or like a month ago. And uh, God, that's going to be a, just a crazy show back, uh, first show back, you know, with uh, the small venue, Madball, and old school hardcore tough guy music. It's going to be a little bit nutty. And I'm, you know, I'm going to wear a mouthpiece or something. I don't know. You know? <laughs> Get the equipment back out. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I can't. I still feel weird being in bars like distanced mm-hmm. um so yeah it's definitely been a little different down here i can say that for sure uh yeah it's just been wide open for you know at least last yeah. year so we definitely are living up to the florida man name but you know it hasn't i don't know i don't know what the ba- <laughs> i don't know if it's bad or good you know what i mean i'm just living life down here so i don't necessarily understand what you know if it's negative or positive but Post- um, 
Mike, it was great having you on, man. Uh, easy chat. I love these easy chats. Obviously, when we have a couple things in common that we enjoy the same, uh, you know, it makes it easier. Hockey is one of those things. Metalcore is one of those things. And reading is one of those things. So, unfortunately, I'm not as well-traveled as you are across the world or else we would have that in common. But um, it's been a great time. Uh, I look forward to checking out your book. And I look forward to, you know, seeing more Prada in the future, which leads me to my last and final question. Where is Prada going to be in the next five to ten years? What's the goal for the band? Um, <laughs> you know, especially on Lamb Goat, no one wants to hear <laughs> like the metalcore band trying to chase like radio commercial success. Mm-hmm. Um, but dipping our toe in the water with our our song Chemical has been exciting, um, and there's a lot of energy there. So um, again, we're writing now. Um, some of it, one of the songs that I've worked on was like almost kind of basically a song that was unfinished for zombie two. And then another one is just like, I hate the word ballad, but mm-hmm. it's, it. I don't know. We, we just want to do what we choose to do, what we're in the mood to do. So in the next five to 10 years, I think it's just going to be, you know, you're going to get songs like chemical and you're going to get songs like Z2 and, um, Prada's live show has always been a priority all these years and that's only ever heightened. Um, so I think that, uh, we work our, we work and grind as hard as possible to deliver. And, um, I think the results will show the next five, 10 years. Awesome. And I lied. I have another question that just popped into my head because we're talking about like radio type rock songs. Um, is there a way you think maybe that you can kind of still obtain like the scene metalcore vibes, but also uh, appeal to like, I hate saying butt rock, but like, you know, like uh, three doors down type band fan bases and stuff like that. Like big, like disturbed, like there are bands that are heavy that are still in the radio technically, but they maybe not, those fans maybe not travel down the, the pipeline far enough to hear like metalcore and other kind of underground metal. I don't know. I, I think that we're seeing it with bands like Parkway and Architects and Bring Me and like they're seeing huge festival success. And I think that could be the turning corner for the new heavy being like our generation, like our world of when we were growing up with, you know, Metal Blade and Trust Kill and Vagrant and, and Solid State and all this, like I think the ones that are still grinding from that era are seeing the success. Um, I mean, goes without mentioning the a day to remember fellas. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think it's becoming a, a bit more ordinary to be listening and consuming music that feels more of our world rather than, you know, when I was growing up, the radio world was just like a world apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You know, at some point, hopefully, uh, a band like I know it was a big band that you like, but like the Chariot, if that if, if we could see like mainstream success for bands that are somewhat like the Chariot, I think would be good to go. You know, uh, a festival with like some kind of band like that headlining would be insane, and I hope that's where we're kind of on the trajectory. Although we do have to get through, you know, the ebbs and flows of that, but uh, <laughs> hopefully one day we'll get there. You know. 
I'll text Josh and say, bring back the chariot and he'll never talk to me again. Oh yeah. No, I, <laughs> I had Josh on the podcast already. Uh, and I, that was, you know, that's the question everyone wants. And I'm spoiler alert, but I'm going to have Stevis on or Stevis on too, uh, from fever three, three, three and the chariot. And we'll ask him again too. But, uh, you know, that's something that probably won't happen for some time. If ever. Stevis is awesome. Stevis is the best, best dude. Yeah, Stevis actually sang on a Prada song. Fun fact. Nice. Which one? Um, Detroit Tapes hmm. from Transit Blues. Um, I miss him. I see him. We, he comes and hangs out in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, man, thank you so much for having me and, and taking the time and um, probably upsetting Lamb Goat listeners and viewers, <laughs> but they can count on TDWP to do that. Always and forever, man. Well, again, Mike, thanks for <laughs> thanks for hanging out, and we appreciate it very much. Good luck with everything, and good luck with the new record that you're kind of working on. Thank you, sir. Uh, have a good one. You as well, bro. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.